0: You're listening to The Hungry Soul with Rachel Foy, covering all topics from spirituality, mindset work, beliefs, relationships, food, body image, business, money, self-expression, and more. Helping you become a soul-fed woman. Hello there, gorgeous, and welcome to the Hungry Soul podcast with Rachel Foy and episode 34. So today we have got a beautiful guest on the show for us, and it's Elizabeth D'Alto. Now, known for her raw, honest, and grounded approach to self-help and spirituality, Elizabeth is an integrative spiritual counselor, and she's also the founder of the Wild Soul Movement. She's an author of Untame Yourself. And she's also a podcast host as well on her popular Untame the Wild Soul Woman podcast. So I had a chat with Elizabeth not too long ago, and we had a really honest and raw conversation around being a soul-fed woman and why we need to really learn to listen to ourselves and our intuition. Now, Elizabeth's been a teacher and a leader, a speaker, a coach, and a trainer for over 15 years, and she's really passionate about helping empower other women as well because she also realises that in our world right now, when women start to become more connected and they start to listen and trust themselves explicitly above any external source, then we experience more freedom, ease and joy in our lives. And who doesn't want that? So here you go. This is Elizabeth on the Hungry Soul podcast. Enjoy. Right then. So I just want to welcome Elizabeth. Here she is. How are you doing?
1: I'm great, thank you so much for having me.
0: You're very welcome, have you had a good, um, a good day so far?
1: Yeah, very very good day, I actually just got off another interview right before this, so we're in the momentum of the interviews.
0: Yes, I love it, kind of just keep the conversation flowing. Well in that case, let's not kind of hang around with chit chat, um, do you wanna give you a quick introduction to yourself, to people watching and listening, as in who are you and what are you all about?
1: Uh, I I like the way you asked that question. Who am I and what am I all about? So my name is Elizabeth Tialto. I am all about reclaiming and redefining womanhood for the 21st century and really helping women empower themselves by embodying the truth of who they are. Everything I do, everything I create is about this one concept that everything you've ever needed has always been inside of you. And I say it that way, not everything you need is inside of you because I want to emphasize that it's always been that way we're just really programmed, cultured, and conditioned, not just as women, as a a whole entire society, that there are certain ways to do things, that some things are appropriate and acceptable and some things aren't. This programming and conditioning comes from our families of origin, it comes from the communities we grew up in, in some cases it comes from religion, governments, um school systems whatever all these things and so it's really just about peeling back those layers and getting to the core of who am i really and creating the space to continue to evolve right like you're going to change your mind you're going to grow your views are going to change so how can you be rooted and grounded and connected to yourself in a way that you have unwavering trust love honor respect and acceptance for yourself so that no matter what's going on in the world or in your life you can still root back into who you are and show up in a way that's aligned and integrous.
0: Absolutely. I mean, this is a massive topic anyway, but particularly when we're talking about women, I'm going to ask you in a second about what it means for you to be soul fed. But this kind of conversation around actually having that belief and that trust in ourselves it's so fundamental, isn't it? To like happiness and enjoyment and passion and everything. So is this something that you have experienced yourself in your world as in not having those moments of being connected?
1: Yeah, and you know, I've always been... So in my work, I call it your wild soul. And the reason I just throw wild in front of soul is because when people hear the word wild, for some reason, most people usually attach it to free. People think wild and free. And it creates this like expansive feeling right out of the gate. So it kind of is just an amplification of what your soul actually is anyway. But, um, you know, I was always wild. I was always rebellious and pretty confident and self-assured to like stand for what I stood for or speak up and not really quiet down, but once I got into my 20s, once I really started exploring my career, that was new terrain and new territory and where I started like buckling and folding in some places and spaces because, you know, you go through trainings or you see this is how you do this or that and you're learning and you really tend to, or let me not play this on other people. I internalized some of the things I was learning as like the way it needed to be done without checking in with myself every step along the way to see if I actually agreed with it, which resulted in different points in my career feeling like, wait a minute, this isn't who I am. Exactly,
0: yeah. I've got to make some adjustments now. Yeah. I mean that kind of amalgamation of like becoming all of your teachers and your programs and your influencers mm. and your friends and your colleagues and your partners um, and i know that so many women watching and listening can more than likely relate to that anyway yeah. um, and actually this is part of where the soul fed woman for me evolved because i became that woman that you're talking about last year um, and i literally kind of looked up from my path and went how the hell did i get here and who the hell <sighs> am i <laughs> They're kind of that, oh, okay, this isn't quite what the, what I was planning. So I had to start my, uh, my journey to really get to know my truth. So off the back of that then, and you talk about the wild soul, which I might have massive connection for, because as you said, it's a very expansive expression. What does it mean for you to be a soul-fed woman?
1: It's just about uh, checking in before I check out you know like always seeking within I'm the first checkpoint and I'm the last checkpoint for all decisions for all considerations mm-hmm. uh, but and I also love that term that you have here soul fed we're actually at the time of recording this one of the things that we're working on which will come out in a couple of weeks is a wild soul toolkit because one of the things I realized like we have programs and courses and I run teacher training and you know we've had all these other programs over the course of the years but I'm like women just need some tools to be resourced, to be nurtured and nourished because self-care is a really popular topic right now, but there's a lot of like surface level self-care that's basically just like band-aid level. It's treating the symptom. It's like, oh, you had a rough day, like self-care, enjoy a piece of chocolate or take a bubble bath. And like, that's cool, but you're going to wake up in the morning and you're still going to have the issue. So, so When I think of wild soul care, I think of, which is like how I would feed my soul, what am I doing to be resourced? What am I doing to be resilient so that I can operate in life as a very feeling person, as a very sensitive person, as a very intuitive person um, who cares a lot about people and the planet and the world and like what goes on between individuals and groups of people? How can I, like, make it through? (laughs) We live in a complex time so that I'm not, like, on the floor every time something tragic happens or that I'm not consumed, whether it's things happening in my own life or major world events. How can I be, like, empowered and mobilized to, like, do things when um, you know, I say this prayer all the time, like use me, move me, make me a force for expansion, for love and for good. I have got to be well resourced if I'm gonna be a force for expansion for love and for good. So that's what it means to me. It means like I'm able, I'm willing, I'm ready, I have the capacity, I have the energy. Yeah.
0: And as you're talking about self-care, I've got this vision in my head and I totally agree with like the superficiality of self-care in terms of how it's often described. Yeah. For me, it's like it's kind of it's almost putting on like my warrior armor so that I can go out there and, and do what needs to be done, like to help others, but also to kind of keep myself protected from like a boundary point of view. Um, yeah. You
1: know, yeah. Big time.
0: Yeah. So just want to kind of backtrack ever so slightly, cause you said that some of your, um, your story was about your career that you kind of got into these places of going oh, this isn't really who I am. And I don't perhaps know who I am. Um, if you kind of look back now in terms of you know, being very neutral, no judgment, etc., what do you think you were hungry for at those points when you didn't really know who you were? What was it that your soul was craving?
1: So I want to be clear. I knew who I was. I don't think I've ever not been pretty deeply connected to who I am. It's just a matter of whether or not I was choosing to abandon myself in the moment or not. Okay and And so, in the moments when I had chosen to abandon myself or strayed from what I knew to be true uh, it's because and i've I know a lot more, and I have a lot more language about this now. I was raised in a really codependent family, and so being a bit controlling or trying to manage other people's experiences. Or really not allowing other people to have their own experiences and just do my own thing and trust them to take care of theirs and not regulating or modulating my own behavior and choices so as not to upset, um, offend, or disappoint others. That's what was going yeah. on at those times. I didn't want to let people down because I didn't realize that, like, it's not my responsibility. Like, if someone's going to be disappointed, they're going to be disappointed. I can't do anything about that. And if I'm compromising myself, then two parties are going to be disappointed them and me. And that's like the most inefficient thing in the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Does it doesn't serve anyone, then, does it? <laughs> right. That's- so, what happened like what, did you have kind of a tipping moment? Was there this like you know epiphany when you kind of woke up and went right, something needs to change like what was it for you? What was your trigger?
1: Yeah, I would say the biggest tipping point was in uh, two thousand and twelve I was doing a photo shoot. I was still a personal trainer. I was doing a video shoot actually for a women 's magazine. this video that they wanted us to shoot. I was working at a boutique studio in New York City. And um, you know they put so much makeup on my face, you couldn't see my freckles, they straightened out my hair, they pinned it half up, half down, put all this lip gloss on me, which like nothing wrong with any of those things, except that I would never work out that way. So first of all, that wasn't me. They were wanting to present me as like their acceptable version of me. And then they also painted contour lines on my stomach. And like, I don't mind telling you, I was in amazing shape. I had a four pack, you could see my abs. I like, And to me, that was just like demoralizing. It's like, yep, you're in the best shape of your life, but it's still not good enough for these people. And they don't want you unless you fit their standard. And so in that moment, I just realized like, oh, I'm, I'm adhering to other people's standards, not my own, mm-hmm. which made me realize I was actually part of a problem that I didn't agree with. And so that was eye-opening for me. I only lasted in that training studio for like another two months after that. Then I went primarily online and I was doing my own things. And I was still in fitness for another year and a half after that. Um, but I was gradually growing dissatisfied with that. And I became more interested in, you know, the internal landscape uh, rather than the external.
0: Which is now what you're doing. You've kind of evolved into this speaker leader um, woman who's super passionate about helping other women become empowered as well. We need, we need more people like you. So I want to know, I'm kind of curious with kind of your journey so far from where you have been to now where you are. And as with any of us that work within this kind of field as such, we are always evolving, aren't we? Like there's never an end journey. We're not trying to get to that finish line of going, that's it. My job's done. It's over with. So what do you what do you do now for you how do you feed your soul how do you keep yourself embodied and connected to your inner truth
1: i do a lot of different things um, and i don't do all of them every single day but it kind of depends on like what the situation calls for but um so my own practice wild soul movement which is a sensual movement practice that also incorporates mantras and meditation I do some form of wild soul movement every day, even if it's just for five minutes. Just like breathing and spending some time with myself. Um, I say prayers every day, multiple times a day. I'm like basically talking to God in whatever form I'm relating to God in the moment all wow. friggin' day long. Yeah. Um, I live near the beach. I, I never knew. I lived on the East Coast my whole life, not close to the water. Wasn't until I moved to California in 2013 that I was like, <gasps> I have been missing out on something I didn't even know I needed. So I I literally feel like I need to be near the ocean. And if anything ever feels overwhelming or I feel anxious or afraid or just like like I'm carrying too much, yeah. I go to the ocean. I let the ocean take care of that. So getting outside really helps. Um, I'm a huge journaler. I love working with Oracle cards. That really helps me. Um, I have a big altar in my room. And so uh, there's specific... Uh, energies, beings, deities, and things that I connect with when I need to. Uh, You know, when I say wild soul, I also, that's my way of referring to my higher self. So I'll I'll often just be like communing and engaging with my my wild soul. And, you know, whether I'm journaling that out or just like really sitting, clearing some space. um, I've done several different trainings over the years in energy work. So I'll do some energy work. I'll cut my cords. I'll ground myself. I'll clear my field. um, Salt baths. Sometimes Wonderful. it's just like a glass of water, a glass of tea, like making sure my basic human needs are met sometimes <gasps> is like the simple answer. Sometimes I just need to go to bed or like put myself to bed.
0: <laughs> you, I'm so glad that you've touched on this because I had a conversation with one of my clients actually today on exactly that same topic. It was like the basics, drinking water, going to bed early enough, and just kind of paying attention to what we need as just basic fundamental human beings. Totally. Sometimes we don't need to overcomplicate this, do we? Yeah, it doesn't need
1: to be esoteric. Have you eaten lunch? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ooh, let me think about that. Do <laughs> you have any protein today? Okay. Exactly, exactly. I'm so um I'm so pleased as well that you touched on something that I just want to kind of reiterate, because I feel this is a really important point. You know, you are a very um awakened woman like you're very in tune with your higher self you're obviously on this spiritual journey where you have evolved so much from where you started and you're still going and yet you also just said very clearly then to every one of us i don't do this every day though no and i think sometimes it's important i feel to get that message across that for us to be more embodied more connected we don't have to have three hour chunks every day of meditating and grounding and clearing and cord cutting um, it's just kind of as, and when that's, that's, that's what I do as well. It's just as, and when I feel called to do something, I will.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and there are a little, like, there are things I do every single day that are like second nature. It's like brushing my teeth, you know, like waking up in the morning and saying prayers before I roll out of bed is like brushing my teeth. Sometimes I'm more like, there are days when I will forget to brush my teeth, but I would never forget to say my prayers. You know what I mean? Um, and cutting my cords, like I cut my cords several times a day. Um, and that's like second nature now too, but it's just cause the nature of what I do. Like I have a podcast, I have clients, I have programs, like so many people plugged into me. Like I'm constantly, even just like a weird interaction with someone out, out like at Starbucks or something. It's like, let me get that out of here. So there are certain things that I'm doing every single day, but like you're saying it doesn't have to be intricate. It could literally be this like quick little more like, um, like energetic hygiene, Yes. Less like big ceremony or ritual.
0: I love that. Just, yeah, something really kind of short, take a takeaway just to grab it and then run and go. Yeah. Um, Something that I want to kind of suppose probe a little bit deeper, because I'm curious and I ask everybody this question, you've obviously been on this journey so far and you've evolved so much. That kind of the trust that I can hear in your voice as you're talking, it's like you intuitively know what you need now and you don't question it. And you have this ability of just having this awareness without going, oh, I'm not sure, do I need a bath? Do I need to go for a walk? Has that taken a long time for you to access? Or is that something that kind of, I don't know, kind of appeared maybe quicker than you intended? Because this is a question that a lot of women struggle with. I don't trust myself. I don't know what I need. I can't hear that intuition. So what was your experience?
1: So I've not really ever been a huge second guesser. So should I have done this differently? Should I have done that? I've not ever really been a big regretter or second guesser. I'm I just learn. I learn as I go, right? If something happened that I perceived to be a mistake or I wish I wouldn't have done it, I'm like, well, I did. So it had to happen and it created some contrast so that I can learn something so I don't have to do it again, right? Um, However, where I struggled to trust myself was putting people on a pedestal or thinking that people knew better than I did. Mm. So while I haven't ever been a big second guesser once I've decided on a path or a choice, I have given away my power to authority and it's funny because I always say like I've had authority issues but like the tricky ways you don't realize you're giving away your power to people like I was in a relationship with a very narcissistic person and I didn't know that I didn't know what gaslighting was so I didn't realize when I was being manipulated or when I was being guilted or when I was being you know when they were playing on my insecurities um, and not trying to help me you know yeah. Um, even though it was presented in a form of like trying to be helpful, and it just wasn't. So um, there were just some things that I didn't understand. That, in a lot of ways, came from um, again, like I had. I grew up in a pretty codependent environment, which, for the most part, most people do. <laughs> yeah, that's of <laughs> Our culture is largely codependent, and so just kind of unraveling and unwinding from like this conditioning of like obligation and sacrifice. And this is just what we do um, to trust myself, especially in the moments when what feels right and true for me actually goes against what everyone else does. Yeah. That's a big one,
0: isn't it? And that's, is that something that you can kind of expand upon a little bit? Because that's the conflict that I know a lot of women struggle with their heart, their soul says one thing but then maybe their mind and their ego says something yeah. else. And it's like, oh, I don't know what to do.
1: So the biggest thing here is, you know, we have, and you guys can grab this. If you go to wildsoulmovement.com forward slash resources, I have this yes, no truth practice that I always recommend to people because it's just one way to start, to stop relying primarily on what's going on in your mind and at least factor in and tune into the body, right? Because yes. then you can start realizing What feels like a yes to me? What feels like a no to me? When am I in the presence of truth? So that when you get up into those places where you're analyzing, which listen, there's nothing wrong with critical thinking. I actually think a lot of people who are on spiritual paths need to remember to bring their brain with them sometimes. So they're not just like bypassing along the yellow brick road. Absolutely. um, one of the things one of my mentors always has said, which I love is that confidence comes from evidence. So until you actually do something until you like put the rubber on the road and like start driving, there's no way for you to know. So you gotta find some guts and you gotta find some courage to trust yourself and have faith in what resonates for you and what feels like truth and what feels right. And what feels brass, um, you know, ask for a little bit of faith, uh, a little grace rather as you go when you're scared. And, um, And then see what happens and then correct course or pivot. And then you start to gather the evidence, right? That like, okay, Mm. I can trust myself. Um, Good things happen when I trust myself or the best things happen when I trust myself. Because I was talking about this in that last interview I was in. Sometimes trusting myself has led me into uncomfortable situations. That doesn't mean it wasn't right because I got there and I learned something that was invaluable that maybe would have taken me years, but now that it happened, I don't need to figure it out anymore. Absolutely. It's kind of
0: leaning into, or not really leaning into, almost surrendering into it is what it is. I'm a massive believer that, as you said, when you kind of rely on that higher self, that inner counsel, that guidance, that we're always led down the path, we always see, you know, the lessons end up coming to us that we need to learn. Mm -hmm. um, And just kind of surrendering into that, into that journey. Yeah. Um. Why do you think, and I don't want to make a very general statement now about why do you think women find it hard to listen to themselves, but why do you feel from your experience with your clients with you, with what you're doing, why do you think often we do find it really difficult to actually trust those desires, those hungers, those little inner voices? Like, Why
1: do we automatically ignore them? Like, What's your experience? So two things. First of all, again, most of us, are raised in cultures where we start out by like we have parents and our parents teach us what to do so really from a very young age we're already ingrained that like someone knows better there's always someone who knows better right and then we go to school and like the teachers in charge like it's it's built on there always being some kind of authority figure and then and then you get to college and you need to get grades and the professor um does the grades, right? And then you get a job and you have a boss who tells you what to do. So it's kind of like the way the system works, the system being patriarchy, right? It's like, there's always someone telling you what to do. There's always someone with authority over you, unless somehow you got to the place where you're in charge. And even then, in some cases, there's still people to answer to. So- Um, When you are, when you have not developed your intuition or your connection to God or source of the universe or whatever, like that's my authority. It's inner authority, right? It's connection to the divine is my authority. It's not another person. But we, we, we really, from a very young age, there's always another person who is perceived yeah. to have, have the power, have the authority. The Second thing is, when I talk about trusting yourself, my primary mode of doing that is embodiment. It's like getting into your body, learning to speak your body's unique language of the senses. And for women, especially, all over the world, in most cultures, most cultures are not body positive. Most cultures are not honoring of the female body. The female body is objectified, it's sexualized from a very young age. Mm-hmm. It is under legislature where groups of people decide what we can and can't do and decisions and choices we can make for our own bodies. So the message is thoroughly communicated if you were raised in any kind of religion that uh modesty cover it up, you know sex is bad this or that, desires suppress that, we're literally just taught that so many of the innate things that make the body so wise are shameful, harmful or dangerous. And yeah. so it makes a lot of sense that people would be like, what do you mean I should listen to my body? <laughs> that's that's a, a
0: twist on that kind of conversation that I think is incredibly, incredibly powerful that you just said there. You know, if we are kind of exposed to, and a lot of this is subconscious, isn't it? It's kind of like it's, we're exposed to it without it really being really obvious because it's just accepted for us in terms of, like you said, society, culture, messages, very subliminal. But we never really question it until we then start to question our inner world and actually who do we believe that we are and what do we believe that we need and this kind of inner trust, et cetera. Um, But yeah, if there's a lot of shame and, and things around the body, then of course we're going to deflect any inner wisdom because we'll perceive it to just be not okay, not safe.
1: And also people dismiss our intuition all the time. Like you tell someone, oh, I have a funny feeling about this. And they're like, don't worry about it. It's fine. Well, how about you listen to me when I tell you that I have a bad feeling about this. I remember this one time with a former partner, we were taking a walk at night through this neighborhood and it was like a nice residential neighborhood. There was actually this uh, bridge that crossed um, over this canyon, I guess. And um, there were some teenagers on it. I don't know what they were doing, but I'm... I think they were on drugs or something. I feel like an old person now being like, <laughs> little whippersnappers. but um, I was like, hey, I'm not walking across that bridge. And he's like, it's fine. Like, I got you. You're with me. Like nothing. And I'm like, no, I'm not stepping foot. I'm like, you can if you want and I'll go home. I'm not getting on that bridge. And I have no way of knowing what could have happened, what would have happened or whatever. But I just knew damn well that I wasn't getting on that bridge. And he was upset with me because he felt like an affront, like I didn't think he could protect me. I'm like, has nothing to do with you. Has everything to do with that. Everything in my body is going, don't get on that bridge. And so I'm not going to.
0: Absolutely. Do you have a thing that you can maybe recommend in terms of everyone that's listening or watching right now? Where would anybody start with this? So somebody that's listening going, I'd love to be there, I'd love to trust myself, I'd love to have this connection, I'd love to know what embodiment is, but I'm disconnected, I don't feel that, I have this intuition, where would somebody start?
1: Yeah. So actually I have that, that page wildestomovement.com forward slash resources. Um, There is a download to learn to speak your, I call it your embody language, your body's unique language of the senses that gets you started. It's this yes, no truth practice, because if all you ever could feel in your body clearly was what yes feels like, what no feels like, and when something is true for you, that's plenty. Love
0: it. There you go, everyone. Head over to that. The link will be wherever this video is anyway. Um, I've got a final question because we're actually coming to the end of the show already. Almost half an hour is whizzed by just talking about this. My final question is, if you think about one of those times in your past when you did have a hungry soul, you weren't embodied, you were not a soul-fed woman, if you could go back and give your younger self some advice, what would you tell her?
1: I always I this is the way I always answer this question. Nothing. I would tell her she's doing great because um you know if a ship were to adjust its direction by even like one notch, it's going to land in a totally different place. I love my life. I love being exactly where I am. I wouldn't trade anything. So if I went back and told my former self to do something differently, I can't guarantee that I would be right here, right now, the way things are. I, want, I don't want to mess with the trajectory. I like it here. So that's I wouldn't a, tell her anything different.
0: That's good. Then you and I won't be having this conversation. Right. <laughs> so before we wrap up, Elizabeth, and thank you so much for kind of spending some time with us today. Um, I will, the links will be on the page where this interview is, but where can we head over to? And you've already mentioned it a few times, but where can we find you on the World Wide Web?
1: Yeah. So our website is wildsoulmovement.com. And if you're looking on the social medias, I'm on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash Elizabeth D'Alto or Instagram, instagram instagram.com forward slash Elizabeth D'Alto. And you can, all our stuff is linked from all those places, the podcast, everything we do, it's all there.
0: Awesome. Good stuff. And as I said, guys, everybody watching, listening, etc., cetera, all um, Elizabeth's details will be wherever you're watching and listening right now. So I just want to say thank you very much. It was an absolute pleasure. I uh, loved having this conversation with you and I might get you back on and we can expand upon embodiment and wild soul movement. Amen. Thank you so much. Yay. See you later. Bye. So there you go, another episode of the Hungry Soul podcast. Now, if this conversation has got you intrigued about your own journey on becoming a soul-fed woman, and you're not really sure of what to do, where to begin, or where even to start, I've got some presents for you. If you head over to soulfedwoman.com forward slash free dash resources, you will find a multitude of presents that I've created for you, including workshops, training series, and meditations. There's also a few little extras along the way too. So have a beautiful week, take care of yourself and I look forward to our next episode together on the Hungry Soul podcast. See you later.